Welcome to the Patriotic Pulpit. I had a show that was planned. I had some things ready to go, but you know, there's been some breaking news this last week and a lot of uh, things happening, particularly regarding uh, Tucker Carlson, Fox News. And I just uh, want to talk about that for just a few moments. You know, I'm going to say right up front that much of Fox News, I don't really care for. But Tucker Carlson is one, I think he was an outstanding voice for freedom. He's probably one of the last great strong voices, libertarian voices for freedom. And I, he is the only one that we watched consistently and uh, religiously recording him every night. And uh, it is just it is a shocker to me that he has gone. And I want to talk about a couple of things regarding Tucker Carlson. Number one, why was he so successful and then number two, let's talk a little bit about why he was let go by Fox. And um, in doing that, I, I don't have any inside information, obviously. Uh, the people at, such as Dan Bongino don't have any inside information. I certainly don't. But by the time this goes to air, we might know more. But I'm going to say a couple of things here, uh, maybe some of it speculation, but we'll talk about some of it as we kind of get into this just a little bit. And to defend him, because uh, I think he's really one of the great last voices for liberty in this country. And uh, I think that um, we're seeing, uh, when we see the mainstream media, Fox News goes into the mainstream media now. Uh, this is going to be, this is, this is huge. So let's uh, think about it for just a few moments. <clears throat> what is it that Tucker Carlson had? What was it that made him so absolutely outstandingly successful? And over three and a half mil, or about three and a half million viewers per night, and his specials. And what what was it about Tucker that really made him stand out? Well, I want to talk about a couple of things. Number one, just thinking about the content. You know what? Now, let's talk about conspiracies for just a moment. You know, the left takes this word conspiracy and makes it look like okay, it's a bad thing when you talk about conspiracy conspiracy theories. Uh, that's a that's a horrible thing, and that, of course, is something to blacken the conversation. So you can't even have a conversation any longer because, well, that's a conspiracy theory, and then that, that's how they want to dismiss it. Well, let's think about some conspiracies for just a moment that Tucker Carlson absolutely uncovered in the mainstream and showed America what was actually going on. Number one is Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, you talk about conspiratorial. The government itself has been involved in covering up Hunter Biden's laptop. That would be the FBI, the CIA, the Department of Justice, all of them colluding together to cover up what was Hunter Biden's laptop and what it does show. And that was that there is, of course, a deep state connection with the Biden administration, even inclusive of Joe Biden and China and money coming in from China. As a matter of fact, that's one of the topics that I want to go to in a future show regarding what's happening with China and how long have we been hooked up, the Democrat Party particularly, with China. Getting millions of dollars, it goes way back, but we'll talk about that more later. But Tucker Carlson was so bold to bring out that the Hunter Biden laptop story was actually covered by the Biden administration, the Department of Justice, FBI, CIA, Actually, they covered it up. And so for the left mean left stream media and the leftist and the socialist to take take the 
this whole story and say, well, that you're talking about conspiratorial. This is an actual conspiracy where the government itself has covered up the truth of the matter. And I hope that the Republicans now will be strong enough to bring out the truth of it. Not only that, but you can look at what we have on social media. Social media hooked up with left stream media, social media, the government itself now hooking up with it, all of it, and and silencing the voices of conservatives. And, you know, Tucker Carlson brought all of that out and brought it to the fore. And you know very well the left hated him because of all of that. Here's something else, too, I want to— this is a, I thought this was an interesting story that he brought forward, and that is about the Nord Stream pipeline. You know, our government promised to destroy it, major players in the government, such as Joe Biden himself. They promised to destroy it. It was destroyed. And then all of a sudden, what? Well, Russia did it. Russia, well, there was a Russian pipeline, the Nord Stream pipeline in the ocean, and the mainstream media with the government says, well, that Russia destroyed their own pipeline. Absolutely, crazily astounding that anyone would go for this kind of material. But the left seemed to love this kind of stuff and lap it up. It was owned by Russia. It was a Russian pipeline, and yet Russia supposedly blew it up. I think the Democrats have become so unimaginative. That's all they do. They say Russia, Russia, and that's all there is to it. And they have so unimaginative in what they think, uh, who is really thinking, uh, who's putting out these kind of misinformation stories that they cannot come up with anything else but Russia. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? That is the same thing they said regarding Donald Trump. Donald Trump was was in bed with Russia. Kind of interesting to think that, okay, when you say conspiracy, they, oh, no, that's conspiratorial. And uh, and so you'd read in Time magazine about Tucker Carlson's release. Oh, well, he was involved in conspiratorial theories and that kind of thing. Well, it just depends upon who's floating them, doesn't it? Because at the same time, the entire mainstream media, which is so leftist, it's just, it's just propaganda for socialism. And they have always, they've come right across by saying, well, Donald Trump was in bed with Russia. Donald Trump received money from Russia. Well, that's, that's conspiratorial. So it just depends upon whose conspiracies you're talking about. How about the COVID-19 lies? The lies that continue to flow and continue to this day to flow from the government on COVID-19, whether it be mask wearing, the shot taking, closing down schools, closing down businesses, shutting down churches, leaving bars open, however, however and leaving open all the left-wing friendly kind of businesses. They, they leave, leave those open. But And Tucker Carlson brought that out so absolutely clear, clearly. How about this one? The J6 lies of the government. There is no story that is so clear as what has come out because of Tucker Carlson on the J6 and the J6 committee that really tried to hang and did hang, so to speak, people such as Jacob Chansley. You remember Chansley? Now, here we have not only the Democrats, but also the, the Republicans who are the neocons, and there are many of them, such as the Liz Cheney's of the world, that might as well, they're just, they're Democrats and in a Republican dress. And that's all that it is. They had this entire huge hearing in Congress and tried to sound so, uh, so serious about it. And, and here's an insurrection and blah, blah, blah. And they put Jacob Chansley, the guy, you know, in the Buffalo hat, put him in jail for six years. 
Tucker Carlson, the only one that received the recordings and the tapes of all of those of the Capitol on that day, showed some of those. And matter of fact, that was one of some of the last shows that he did shows what was going on in the Capitol. And it was not an insurrection. Jacob Chansley was shown around the Capitol by the police. He was escorted by the cops. And you know, it were for Tucker Carlson, if we're not for him, I think Jacob Chansley was still looking at six years. They put they let him out, but he was the only one who was bold enough to bring out the truth about J6, and it was not an insurrection. By the way, the Biden administration loves insurrections. We had we did have one in the Tennessee State House a couple of weeks ago, and the people who led it, in violation of the rules there. It was a riotous assembly that took place in the Tennessee State House in Nashville, Tennessee, and the people that broke the rules and led the insurrection in spite of what was going on, Biden has invited them to the White House. So it just depends once, once again upon whose ox is gored here, doesn't it? How about not only the J6, and by the way, on J6, Tucker brought out very clearly we have no free speech in America. All that J6 was about was free speech, people objecting to what they believed was a stolen election. But you can't even talk that way. You can't talk about it at all. As a matter of fact, Mike Lindell put out a two-hour video regarding the 2020 election, showing that there was evidently fraud that had taken place. So also did, did Dinesh D'Souza. D'Souza had a movie out in the theaters in which he called into question the integrity of our elections. But, you know, Fox News shut everybody's mouth. Every, every one of the hosts, their mouths were taped shut, except for one man. That's right, Tucker Carlson. And Carlson was bold enough and brave enough to talk about it and question the integrity of the election that put Joe Biden in the White House. And he, he simply voiced exactly what we all feel. I saw one statement in Time magazine saying, well, he's, he's uh, putting ideas into the conservative's head. And no, sir, not at all. This is exactly how we've all felt all the while. And he's only the only voice that was strong enough and brave enough to put it in public at a national level. This is exactly what America's feeling, exactly what he was saying continually on a continual basis. That was what's going on. So election fraud. Yeah, I think there was election fraud. You know, 20 more million people voted for Joe Biden than Barack Obama. Exactly what we were saying from the beginning. Come on, something is absolutely wrong with this. How about the war in Ukraine? The war in Ukraine, once again, questioned by many conservatives, including myself, and thinking that we don't even have, number one, the constitutional right to do it. Number two, we don't have the funds to do it. Number three, Ukraine's not a free country. We recognize that to be the case, but this is the deep state. This is the, this is the entrenched elite that runs the country, whether it be Republican, such as the Mitch McConnells, and the Democrats, such as the Chuck Schumers, all in bed together on this particular issue. And there was one man who called it all into question, Tucker Carlson. You don't hear much about it from anyone else. And he called it into question from the very, very beginning. What are we doing over there? But you know what? You can't even question it anymore. They want everybody to be slavish right to the government in the government line. 
And how about the border crisis? Carlson gave voice to, once again to the border crisis, and he called it the great replacement theory, or he called it the great replacement. It was, and boy, the left, they just lose their minds when you talk this way. I'm going to come back to that issue, the great replacement. We'll come back to that in just uh, the next segment. But he talked about it in that, in that light. How about defending Kyle Rittenhouse, Kenosha, Wisconsin? You know, the left once again lost its mind, but the tapes were very clear. He just, he shot men in self-defense. They were going to kill the man, and he shot them. But you know what? The left, the neo-Marxists that run our government, they like the Kyle Rittenhouses to go down. They like Kenosha, Wisconsin to burn to the ground. They like that to happen. That's what they want to happen. That's why we saw no prosecutions. And when Kyle Rittenhouse was defended successfully, they absolutely went stark raving crazy. But Tucker Carlson, once again, was bold enough that he came out and defended all of the and defended what was evidently true from the very, very beginning. I wondered, I even said, I voiced it to my wife. I said, you know what? He is, he is so strong. He is so bold. He's so courageous in his bringing the news to us on these things and his viewpoint that I fear for his life. And a lot of people felt the same way. He was absolutely on Fox News, the greatest voice now, not to say that he's done because I believe he's coming back. I don't know where it's going to be, but wherever he goes, I'm going to follow him because that's exactly the kind of guy we need. Now, when I come back, we'll talk more a little bit about Tucker Carlson and some things about why he was let go and a couple of things that regard that. And then I want to talk about the border crisis, something that he said, recalling it the replacement, the great replacement in, of the population in America. We'll talk about that when I come back. Just a moment. Before we talk about perhaps some of the theories about why Tucker Carlson was let go from Fox News, I, I do want to make another comment pertaining to why he was so successful and is going to be continuing so successful. Not only does he bring the content that people want to hear and conservatives and people feel in their bones is absolutely right, but he's a great communicator as well. And that's one reason the left just hated him. You know, he was clever. He's smart, he's funny, he's witty, and he just infuriates his enemies continually. He mocked them, he makes them look silly, as they truly are. As one pundit put it, I thought this was a good comment. He said he mocked the powerful people and the powerful groups in a way that was effective, totally undermined their sense of self-importance. Nobody else really does it like him. Uh, that's exactly right. You know, Greg Gutfeld is a witty guy, but he can't beat Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson's quips, he doesn't have just quips in just one-liners as, as Gutfeld has. He, you know, and Gutfeld sometimes uh, uh, shades off into sexual innuendos. But you know what? Carlson was absolutely the master at it. And he delivered that kind of news continually. By comparison, I'm just going to say this. You know, I appreciate the conservatives on Fox News, such as Sean Hannity. But, Sean Hannity, but, there, but Sean Hannity doesn't hold a candle to Tucker Carlson. I mean, it's hard to listen to, to Sean Hannity sometimes. You know, he comes across, it's just a monotone. He just continually, same lines over and over. The monologue just goes on and on and on. It's like, okay, <clears throat> enough of this. But Carlson never, never came across that way at all. You know, and not only that, but he was a great interviewer. He laid out his case. His guests came on. 
And then he just said, hey, what do you think about this? Sean Hannity, by comparison, just it goes back to the same monologue. It goes over and over and over again. And, and you know, and, and he'll have Geraldo Rivera on. And, um, you know, I, I don't care for Geraldo Rivera, his viewpoints at all. But Sean has, I guess they're friends. He has him on. And I guess he has him on so he can beat him up. I don't know. But, you know, the, that's the kind of difference that Carlson makes. And, you know, the themes that he brought to the table, like the last one that he just just produced, to let them eat bugs. That's something we've talked about on this program before, about the left wants us to have a diet of bugs and, you know, insects. And that's, but Carlson, boy, he brings that out. And you don't hear that kind of stuff from anybody else. So why was Carlson let go? I thought this was interesting here. This is from Robert Kennedy. Robert Kennedy, in my view, is very close to the target. And he is a Democrat, uh, Democrat who's running for president. And he, in a tweet, said this, Fox fires Tucker Carlson five days after he crosses the red line by acknowledging that the TV networks pushed a deadly and ineffective vaccine to please their pharma advertisers. Carlson's breathtakingly courageous April 19th monologue broke TV's two biggest rules. Number one, Tucker told the truth about how greedy pharma advertisers controlled the news content. And number two, he lambasted obsequious newscasters for promoting jabs they knew to be lethal and worthless. For many years, Tucker has had the national biggest audience averaging 3.5 million, 10 times the size of CNN itself. Fox just demonstrated the terrifying power of big pharma. I think that's really close to it. He crossed the line with them on certain things because in the end, Fox News is wants to be a part of the mainstream media. And that's exactly where they're going to be. And it's going to be in the tank because they let Carlson go. Stu Peters made this comment. I don't know if you follow Stu Peters or not. You can follow him, I think, on Rumble. He says, silencing Tucker Carlson is the tip of the iceberg in finalizing a major coup in your country. Pfizer can't have anyone even beginning to touch the truth about the genocidal, mass-murdering, graphene-laced nanotech mark of the beast fake COVID-19 shot poison injection. I think that's pretty close to the truth also. I tell you what, he piled up the adjectives there. Well, Fox will die because it's becoming like the rest of the mainstream media. And you know what? Good riddance. That's what I say. Because Carlson is the best voice for freedom and liberty that we've seen really in, in my adult years. And I'm happy that he, I'm going, he's going to resurface somewhere. I don't know where it's going to be, but it will be somewhere. Okay. Now, when we come back from break, we'll talk about the border crisis. I want to, I want to tell you about, first of all, you can follow this show on Amazon Prime, or rather Amazon Music, Amazon Music. And you can find it also on Spotify. You can find the show. We call it Patriotic Pulpit. You can find it on Amazon Music as well as Spotify. The articles that are right are on the News Talk 1290 website. That's uh, here in Wichita Falls. News Talk 1290, you can go there and you can find material that are right related to the content of this program. You can also find American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. That's my old website. And you can go there. You can donate if you wish to help the program out. But uh, this program, of course, I try to make it on cutting edge. And I could not help but uh, get some things about Tucker Carlson in there. But now, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and I want to talk about, pick up 
the border crisis, you know, Tucker Carlson referred to the the border, the lack of border, I should say, the lack of border that we have now as the replacement. That is a great replacement. And he made a comment or two on that. And boy, that that sent over the edge. Time Magazine, Newsweek, the Yahoo News, oh, they just, oh, they, they loathed that kind of talk and talked about conspiratorial thing. Well, I, I have some interesting things pertaining to that. We'll talk about that when we come back. Yahoo News said this about Tucker Carlson. He offered a full-throated embrace of the white supremacist great replacement theory. The great replacement, question mark. Yeah, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's their political strategy, said, this is Carlson speaking. It's, a, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's a political strategy. Now, Yahoo News is quoting him on that one. And further, he, they quote him to say, Democrats often celebrate demographic change, which I think is exactly right. So Yahoo News, quoting Carlson on that, says, well, he gave the full-throated embrace of the white supremacist great replacement theory. So the, the great replacement idea, that is open borders, bring all of uh, Mexico, Central America, South America, the poor, bring them all in here by the millions and replace the population, the white population that we have here. And so they say, that's a racist conspiracy theory, a white supremacist theory. I want you to know that there are some facts here that are going to be, that you need to know that Yahoo News and the mainstream media and NBC, CNN, CBS, they don't want you to know about. Here are the facts. The Mexican government and radical Chicano groups in this country are pursuing the dream of what they call La Reconquista, the reconquest of the Southwest United States. For example, Monica Mandel of the NewsMexico.com news service. This is March 25th, 2002. This was way before Carlson ever came on the air. Most, and this is Monica Mandel. Most of these immigrants live in border states like California, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and the same ones Mexico lost when President Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana signed an agreement to end the U.S. invasion in 1848 by ceding 2.5 million square kilometers of Mexican territory to the U.S. Now, did you get that? They're living in border states. These are the ones that Mexico lost in 1848. The provocative term Reconquista was not coined by an anti-immigration activist. Reconquista, or the re- replacement, reconquest of the Southwest, was not invented by Tucker Carlson. It was not invented by the John Birch Society. It was not invented by myself. Rather, it was used in an official study published by the Mexican government's National Council on Population, which is called C-O-N-A-P-O, CONOPO. Mandel says, this is quoting Monica Mandel, the newsmexico.com, the reoccupation of this territory has been slow but steady and in and the number of immigrants is growing every year. And she cited the CONOPO study. Mandel predicts that during the six-year term of President Vicente Fox, that would be during George W. Bush's period, ending in 2006, Two million Mexicans will enter the U.S. at the rate of approximately 380,000 per year. 
Boy, wish those numbers were the same today, don't you? So by republishing what she did, this is Monica Mandel now at the NewsMexico.com news service in Mexico City, publishing the Canapo study, the Mexican government has formally embraced the concept of demographic warfare, reconquering the American Southwest by unchecked illegal immigration. Who is the one who came up with Reconquista? Who are the ones who came up with demographic warfare? Mexico. They're the ones who did it. Here's some more facts. Now, Carlson said that it would make America poorer and dirtier. Boy, that, that sent Yahoo News into orbit. They thought that was so racist. That's white supremacist. That's racial conspiracy theory. Well, let's see about that for just a moment. July 4th, 2001. Mexico's EWE News Service published an interview with a celebrated Mexican novelist, Elena Poniatowska, in which she noted, Mexico, now this is her quote, Mexico is at this moment recovering territories it lost in the past to the U.S. thanks to immigration. All right, did you get that? This is published now by the EWE News Service in Mexico in 2001, and they're stating that Mexico is at this moment recovering territories it lost to the U.S. thanks to immigration. Demographic warfare. Then they go on to say, quoting the novelist Elena Poniatowska, the common people, this is her statement, the poor, the dirty, the lice-ridden, the cockroaches are advancing on the U.S., a country that needs to speak Spanish because it has 335 million Hispanics who are imposing their culture. Who said that? Was that Tucker Carlson? No. No, that was the Mexican novelist Elena Poniatowska, quoted by Mexican EWE News Service in 2001. She goes on to say, Mexico is recovering the territories that yielded to the United States by means of migratory tactics. Migratory tactics? That sounds like warfare. That sounds like demographic warfare, does it not? Who's the one who's saying that? Mexico. The Mexican newspapers are putting that out. Mexican novelist. We have Mexican news service telling and touting that very thing. But there's, there's more. Colonist Carlo Lore de Mola most clearly explained Mexico's demographic warfare strategy 20 years prior to that. That would put it back in the 1980s. Jeff said many times on this program that conservatives have been crying about shutting the border down or stopping the illegal immigration at the border for years. I remember from high school period in the 1970s, same story back then. So this is Carlos Lorette de Mola in Excelsior, which is the Mexican equivalent of the New York Times, Excelsior newspaper, that would be in the 1980s. He said, in an essay entitled, The Great Invasion, Mexico Recovers Its Own, he described the strategy. Listen to this. A peaceful mass of people carries out slowly and patiently an unstoppable invasion, the most important in human history. You cannot give me a similar example of such a large migratory wave by an ant-like multitude, stubborn, unarmed, and carried on in the face of the most powerful and best-armed nation on the earth. They're talking about us, by the way. 
Neither barbed wire fences, nor aggressive border guards, nor campaigns, nor laws, nor police raids against the undocumented have stopped this movement of the masses that is unprecedented in any part of the world. End of quote. He's exactly right. Demola is exactly right. Unprecedented anywhere. We can go across the seas to stop the borders at Ukraine and defend those borders or the borders of Bosnia or the borders of Iraq, but we can't close our own borders and protect our own selves. Absolutely incredible. It's not because, it's not because we can't, because we don't have the willpower in Washington. We have the willpower to do something different up there. Mola noted also that Los Angeles, in effect, has become the second largest Mexican city in the world. Who said that? Tucker Carlson? No, <laughs> that's De Mola. And that is the demographic warfare in Excelsior magazine, the columnist who wrote for them in the 1980s. How about this one? Charles Trujillo, a professor at Chicano Studies. Does he? It doesn't stop. This is United, or rather, rather the University of New Mexico. In Chicano Studies, he believes that Los Angeles, he said one day, will be the capital of La República del Norte, Hispanic nation straddling the border of the United States and Mexico. This was reported by the Albuquerque News. The envisioned Chicano homeland would absorb the existing U.S. states of California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and Southern Colorado, as well as the northern tier of current Mexican states, Baja California, Sonora, Chihuahua, Coahuila, Nuevo León, and others. They call it Aztlan. Trujillo said the new polity won't appear within the next 20 years, but within 80 years. Now, he said this about 40 years ago. He said, I may not live to see the Hispanic homeland, but by the end of the century, my students will live in it, sovereign and free. The new country should be created by any means necessary. So writes Charles Trujillo at the University of New Mexico, some of our professors. You know what? I believe there are probably many more professors saying the same type of things. So the point is, the, lift, the liberal left may get excited. They get everything all tangled up in their minds, and they just they can't even control themselves when Tucker Carlson speaks this way. But you know who is the one who called down the thunder? The people that we're talking about right here. Mexican columnists, Mexican professors, Mexican novelists, Mexican writers, Mexican newspapers, the president of Mexico, all of them. Vicente Fox and so forth, past president. Same thing. They're the ones talking reconquista. I remember several years ago, I was preaching in East Texas. I was in Marshall. And at the church there, the Church of Christ, where I was at Eastern Hills Church of Christ, we had a, we hired a preacher to preach to the Hispanic population because we want to, want to save the souls. And so we hired a preacher and he was from Mexico. And he talked to me openly about this. He said, yeah, he said, the people, they know, they call it Reconquista. I said, I said well, I, that's what I thought. What, have you been reading my conservative journals? He said, no. No, this is, this is what we all know to be the case. Now, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this was back in the year 1996, 97. Now, Tucker Carlson is simply calling attention to what has been going on for a long time. And so the mainstream media can get off their high horse. Yahoo News can get off their high horse 
in Time Magazine, forget all that kind of stuff and look back. You know, forget attacking Tucker Carlson. <laughs> they need to look back and see what Mexico themselves, or Mexicans themselves have promised and Mexico writers have said is going on right now. All right, we'll be back in a moment. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about Texas Appleseed. We're changing topics here. Texas Appleseed. Texas Appleseed is a legal organization. I think it's a nonprofit, if I'm not mistaken, whose, whose goal is basically social justice and to erupt and uh, turn over our school system. And they got, have gotten, by the way, they've been successful in getting rid of the police. And, and the police, of course, at one point were involved in enforcing the law in our schools, in our public schools. They got rid of that. And so now what we have in our public schools is absolute chaos. And Texas Appleseed, in an article in 2013, was quoted at length by the Texas Tribune, and the leader of Texas Appleseed was Deborah Fowler. And she made several, several comments about what, what they intended to do and made several arguments why we don't need the police in the school and what we, what's going to happen if we get the police out of the way and just let the teachers handle the discipline and that kind of thing. So I want to go to that article again. We, we brought it out a, couple, a few weeks ago, and I want to answer some of the arguments that Deborah Fowler and Texas Appleseed makes pertaining to why they should not have the enforcement of law by the police in the schools and the high schools and what's, what's going on in the schools right now. So first of all, we're talking about Class C misdemeanors. Class C misdemeanors are the least serious criminal offenses, of course, outside of school. Common Class C misdemeanors include intoxication publicly, petty theft, and students convicted of this crime can pay up to $500 per offense. So misdemeanors in school offenses included chewing gum in school, disruption of class, chewing gum. They always put that first. This is their, this is their website. Chewing gum in school, of course, that, that's nothing anymore. Disruption of class, foul language, fighting with other students, talking back to the teacher, failure to follow school rules, reckless damage of school property. And so under the, under the bill, which was the Senate bill in Texas, 393, school police officers, they took them out of school. That is, they could no longer issue tickets to, to students for misbehavior in school. And one of the motive uh, driving forces, I should say, behind this was and has been Texas Appleseed, because they say, well, you've got to have, this is a social justice think tank that has lawyers that says we need to get the police out of school and we need to turn the schools over simply to the teachers, let them handle some of this discipline. And what's happening, we're having a huge, huge eruption of problems in school all along the same lines that we just talked about, whether it be damaging property, whether it be not following the rules, talking back, fighting in the schools, foul language continually. It's absolutely horrendous. And teachers are being injured by the fact that this is going on in the public schools. They're becoming, it's becoming mayhem in the public school system. And part of it, if not all of it, comes from what Texas Appleseed has led. So one of the arguments they say, well, look, low-income households can't pay the fines because the police used to offer site uh, tickets or give tickets and give citations to individuals who used foul language and so forth. So the low-income households can't pay those fines. I want to talk about that for just a moment. You know what? 
there, it is so frequent in the schools. You have students in elementary schools telling their teachers, F you, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. Calling them the B word. They're just going on and on with just horrendous, horrendous language that they're learning from home, apparently, and, and their peers as well. And we're talking about sometimes kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. And you can see it going on in high school continually. You have this foul, filthy talk continually to the teachers, not only disruption, but absolutely disregarding any kind of authority in the classroom. So they say, well, low-income students can't figure out how to pay for those fines that, are, that were being levied at that time. Well, my answer to that is they better figure it out. I am sorry that they don't have fathers in the homes. I am sorry that they, they are low income. I, I can't do anything about that. But you know what? I don't want my children exposed to that vile filth continually that's going on with the students. And because they're low income and they can't pay the fines, I say they better figure out how to pay the fines. It's ridiculous what's happening in the public schools. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there are teachers that are being carried out on stretchers because of this kind of filth going on in the schools. Texas Appleseed says, well, we want to decriminalize misdemeanor behavior. You know, when you decriminalize things, it grows. And right now, you can walk into some public school classrooms, whether it be in this town or towns around us, usually the larger cities, and you'll see students yelling at teachers, cursing at them continually, violent actions going on, destruction of property is continuing to go on. It happens all the time. And it's happening because we have decriminalized this kind of behavior. Deborah Fowler says at Texas Appleseed, well, discipline is better off in the hands of teachers instead of police. Really? Is that the case? We have to train staff today to do takedowns. We have to train staff to do proper takedowns. And, and if you don't do it properly, then you're going to be sued. And then you're going to be sued and then you're going to be fired. So what's happening is the teachers have a hands-off policy. They don't want to get involved because by the way, you know, if I don't do it right, and we're talking about, we're talking about students that are beating each other up, drawing blood continually. We have teachers that are losing blood on this issue. And that's what's happening in the public schools. But we can't do anything about it because we can't call the police in. You have to be trained to handle the kid properly, supposedly. And have you ever been in a brawl and where you have to handle someone properly? Look, that's, that's not even common sense. It's so difficult to do. And this is why teachers are fleeing the public school system. Why, by the way, why should a woman, why should a, let just, let's just take, here's a, a young woman who wanted to be a teacher, and she's stepping in the classroom about 25 years old. Why should she be trained in wrestling moves? Why should she be trained in, in how to combat with CPI and how to handle violent behavior? Why should she have to do that? Well, because we've 
we've told the police you can't be in the classroom. I say bring the police back. It needs to go through the Texas Senate. It, it is absolutely astounding what's taking place in the public school classroom. We're not educating anymore in, a lot, in many ways because we're too busy handling violent, out-of-control behavior. And it's happening all the way down. It trickles all the way down into first and second grade. And by the time the kids get to a fourth grade, you, you've got major problems on your hand. Now we have 60-year-old women, 65-year-old women, 40-year-old women trying to handle violent behavior while the students are spitting on them, they're kicking them, they're scratching them, they're beating them, and they're beating one another. And what are you going to do about it? Well, that's what's happening. Well, Deborah Fowler says, well, we've got to take the students off a negative track. That's one of her arguments. Take them off a negative track. Really? Let me tell you something. They're not on a negative track because the police have stepped into the classroom. They're not on a negative track because they're taken to juvenile detention for unruly behavior and violent behavior. They're on a negative track because that's what they've learned at home. And our homes are broken in our society. They have no fathers in the home, or very few fathers. They have violent mothers sometimes. They have vile filth going on everywhere around them. And that's all that they see. We're not putting them on a track for jail later in life. They're already on that track. And that's what's happening in the public school. The police chief in McAllen, Texas, said the same thing. Well, the teachers need to do a better job at controlling the classroom. We don't need to issue a citation. Well, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. The teachers can't control some of the behavior. Most of the behavior. They can't control it. Some of it, perhaps, a teacher might be able to do it, but you send a kid out of the classroom, the administration says, hey, no, don't send them to the office. Send them back. And they're going to cuss you out. They might throw things at you. And that's exactly what's happening. Deborah Fowler says one more thing here. She says, well, what they need is tutorials. Tutorials. They need more tutorials. This assumes something. It assumes it's just a stupid assumption. It's, I'm sorry, it's just a stupid assumption. It assumes that all these kids are there wishing to learn. And all they need to have is some private attention. No, they're not there that, for that reason. There are some. I'm not saying every student falls into that category. That's not what's going on in the schools. No, all across this nation, they're not there because they wish to learn. In many, 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 many cases, they're there to push the drugs. They're there to have sex. They're there to have flings with each other. They're to have disruptive behavior. They're not there to wanting to learn. Many of them are not. Some of them are. But I'll tell you this right now. There are very few. Now, this is some of the things going on in the classroom. And we need, as a nation, as a state, I'll start there, as a state to be strong enough to stand up and revoke that SB 393 that took the police out of the classroom. We need to have police back in there for some control of the mayhem in the classroom. 